the scripture lesson is written in the fourth chapter of Paul's second letter to Timothy, beginning at the first verse. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The scripture I just read was penned by an old man at the end of his life's work passing advice and authority on to his younger colleague. These are the last words of Paul to Timothy, who is like a son to him. I think of Paul at the end of his earthly journey. He languishes in a prison cell, chained to the stone walls of the Mamertine prison in Rome. Paul's awaiting execution by the Roman state caught up in the dragnet of Christians by the Emperor Nero. He knows his days are few. His prison cell is preserved today, and Christians from around the world visit. In May of 2015, I hosted a wonderful group of faith travelers to Rome, and this is one of the sites we visited. As we stood in a space above the cell, I read these same words. From Paul's letter. How moving it was to be in this place where these words were written. We then walked down a winding metal staircase to the cell you just saw. Paul is summing up his years and witness as he prepares to let go of this life. He's held in captivity awaiting execution. Although his martyrdom is not described in scripture, we know from early Christian writers that Paul was beheaded in the Christian persecutions under Nero. For this reason, Paul's often depicted with a sword, a poignant reminder of the manner of his death. Although he was raised in Jewish traditions and faith, keep in mind Paul was also a Roman citizen. He lived in an ancient culture that celebrated sports, and that shows in his letters. 
in that time, chariot racing was the most popular sport, but human foot races, wrestling, and boxing were also popular. Paul must have enjoyed watching the competitions as he repeatedly talks of them in his writings and uses them to illustrate his points. He uses the imagery of athletics as a metaphor for the life of faith. Sometimes he's a runner, sometimes a boxer. Paul's readers in the first century would have understood these references, living in a sports-crazy culture, much like ours today. They would have watched the competitions, seeing the race to the finish or the end of the fight. Paul is very clear that he has carefully carried out his ministry. He's followed through with the teachings of Christian faith, sticking to the truth even when the going got tough, just as he's seen racers and boxers give every ounce of their might to make it to the goal. When Paul uses these sporting examples of running and boxing, images of these contests would be in his mind and in the thoughts of his readers as well. In an ancient foot race, the starting gate was called a hisplex. What you see here is a portion of that starting gate, a line of stones, each with two grooves. Runners stood upright at the start, the toes of the left foot gripping the front groove and the toes of the right in the back groove. A race official held a rod to thwack the toes of any racer trying to nudge ahead of the others. A gate structure of ropes and poles was erected around these stones. These gates kept anyone from jumping the start before the go was shouted and the gates were opened. Paul declares he's been a fair and honest runner. Through three decades, his race of faith has required great devotion. Declaring Jesus Christ to those who do not yet believe has been no picnic. Shipwrecked, beaten, stoned, and chained. He's kept the faith, sticking to the truth of Jesus Christ in the toughest of times. Often I've heard Christians comment that they abandoned a project with good reason. Listing obstacles and troubles faced, they say, God must not have wanted me to do that. Really, a challenging task fraught with problems and complications is what the race of faith is about. Look at Paul's life hanging in there with the truth. When the going gets rough, that's what it's about. When Paul says he's fought the good fight, that's an apt analogy. He's thinking of himself as a boxer. This ancient bronze sculpture of a boxer was unearthed in Rome in the 19th century. Hunched and Bent from strain, the boxer here has been pummeled and beaten at the hands of others. This is a close-up of that bronze boxer's face. This is a man who bears the scars of the fight. A broken nose and wounds cover his face. He has 
cauliflower ears from years of injury, and his left cheek is swollen from trauma. In ancient boxing matches, there are no weight classes or time limits. The fight continues until a contender is unconscious or dead. Note the verses to the right of the image. In 2 Timothy, Paul writes, I have fought the good fight. And in 1 Corinthians 9.26, we read, I do not box as one beating the air. Paul does not pull any punches as he boldly speaks of Jesus Christ. And his fight for the faith has not just been a battle of words. His body has been struck and pounded through the years of ministry. Once he was even left for dead, his body dumped outside the town of Lystra in Galatia, battered through years of ministry in the service of his Lord, Paul knows the misery and strain. Now his final days are at hand. Chained to dungeon walls, Paul sees into the future after he's gone, and it's not a pretty picture. Those who come after him will faithfully speak of the gospel, yet hearers with itching ears will reject that truth, preferring an easier path, turning to teachers who are more appealing, who say what the people want to hear. Your pastors here at Faith strive week in and week out to teach the flock about the word. We're dedicated to sharing the gospel truth with you. We repeat what Jesus taught as recorded in Holy Scripture. We teach what traditional Christians have believed since the first century. The truths passed down from the apostles frame our words. We're not just stepping up with our personal opinions. Some have challenged us over the years, rejecting the truth. Over and over, I've been taken aside and told by people that they do not believe that truth. Sometimes they refuse to accept that the true body and blood of Jesus Christ is received in Holy Communion. Or they don't believe Holy Communion is for baptized and repentant Christians. They do not believe that faith is a gift of God. Instead, they want to take credit for their faith, declaring it was their choice. They reject the power of holy baptism, declaring tiny ones should not receive this sacrament. All this means is they do not believe the word of scripture and the truth passed down from the apostles. Like all your pastors, I've repeatedly defended that truth in sermons, classes, and individual conversations. Your pastors here at Faith teach sound doctrine, yet there are those who have itching ears insisting on hearing only what they want to hear. Paul knew all about those with itching ears rejecting sound teaching. Those people who prefer to hear someone say what they want to hear. Paul's focus in this second letter to Timothy is about the finish 
of his life's race of faith, especially because he's at the end now, shackled and facing the sword. Paul says he's being poured out like a drink offering. Now that's a reference to chapters 15 and 28 in the book of Numbers, which describes sacrifices to the Lord with a pouring out of wine, a drink offering at the base of the altar. Paul's approaching death has him viewing his life as being poured out as an offering to Christ. As a young man, when we first meet him in the words of scripture, Paul's a Pharisee, son of Pharisees, seeking to persecute the new Christian faith. With murderous intent, he wants to please God by wiping out those who do not toe the line of Pharisaical Judaism. But then he sees the light, is changed by Christ, and becomes a new man. Really, his whole life is about stepping out offering up his very being to God. And now the time of his departure is at hand. Now at the end, he pens these famous words, I fought the good fight, I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Remember, Paul's writing this from a miserable, dark, dank prison cell. Many who've been in his confidence in the past have abandoned him. To the end of this letter, he asks Timothy to come and bring him his cloak, no doubt to keep warm as the cold seeps in through the stones. And then he draws another parallel with the runner in the race, the one who's the winner at the finish line. The crown of righteousness he writes of here is another sporting reference to the wreath-like crown of leaves awarded the victor. The victor in the race receives a crown, a wreath of leaves around his head. It was a sign of honor. So now as Paul awaits the executioner, he sees a glorious future in the life to come. The victor's wreath he will wear is the righteousness that he, that he has received in faith from his Savior and Lord. Paul declares that all who love the Lord will also receive this honor. Even in the bitterness of this life's end, Paul shares his joy in the life to come. I speak to many people at the end of their lives. Once a certain age or diagnosis comes, most Christians reflect deeply on life in this world and the next. Often those who walk in faith through their last days tell me they are ready, which is to say they are ready for the loosening of the bonds of this world, ready to see the Lord face to face. Some confidently tell me with a smile, that they will see Jesus before I do. The race of life is important for the believer. Just saying, I believe in Jesus Christ, is not the whole ball of wax. Faith is not just a verbal affirmation. 
It's lived out in what we do. Stating that God took on human flesh in the person of Jesus, who died on the cross and rose again, is not faith. Satan knows all that to be true, but Satan refuses to let Christ be his Lord. If you believe in Christ as your Savior, you also accept him as Lord of your life. He rules your life and your actions demonstrate this. Some self-examination may be in order. Are we fully engaged in the race, living a life in Christ? Or are we just skipping and tripping along as we feel like it? Either way, the finish line is a certainty. That's something we all know. Everyone dies. Like Paul, we are meant to make it to the goal, not stumbling and failing in the final yards. But sometimes those yards are the hardest with isolation and illness. Everyone will face troubles in the race. Paul certainly does. And yet he counsels, don't give up. Keep the faith. God stands with us through all the ages of life. When we come to the end of the race, that trust in the Lord is profound because we have learned that trust through a lifetime of experience in our relationship with him. Whatever evils we have experienced, whoever has rejected us, whatever trials we have endured, we look to the end of the race where the outstretched arms of our Savior wait to embrace us. And all God's people said, Amen.